welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams, and today I am joined by Dr. Leah Lease, the shameless psychiatrist. Dr. Lease is a child and adult psychiatrist, an expert in child psychology and sexuality, and is changing the way we talk to our children about sex. The information you will hear in this episode is not to be taken as medical advice, but as educational and fun. So Dr. Lees, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so Dr. Lees, kind of tell me a little, a little bit about your work with children um, in regards to sexuality. Sure. Um, I started working in the field of psychology when I was 16, working at Hillside Hospital in yeah. and it's been literally my passion. I'm so lucky to be able to do this job. Um, I think I honed my skills um, at St. Vincent's working with all kinds of alternative families, all kinds of sexualities. And um, and when I decided to work with teenagers, I was very horrified, I think, by a lot of the struggles they were facing around their sexuality and how little um, knowledge they had or help they got in school or with their parents. Um, and then with the Me Too movement, how teenagers were not really embracing their own boundaries or even really having understanding of their own boundaries. Yeah. Um, and so I made it my life's mission to talk to teenagers and their parents about sex and sexuality in the hopes to um, to help to change change the world and change children and how they view themselves. So that's that's how I got to where I am now. I, I see teenagers every day. I see children every day. Yeah. I've really developed that expertise. So you are working primarily with more teenagers, but this child um, sexuality starts pretty young. Yes. Um, so kind of tell us like, I guess what a normal or like a typical timeline of our sexuality development looks okay. like. Well, I mean, it really starts from the second that you're born. Um, yeah. Our sexuality. Um, uh, you, you know, things like attachment patterns with your parental figure, whether it be nursing or um, spending time with your primary caregiver, that's the first time you form um, stable attachment and bonds with uh, your parents or, or whoever your primary caregiver is. And those, those bonds really reflect very much on your future relationships. So you could argue that it really starts there. But then if you look at um, more along the lines of masturbation and things like yeah. that, I mean, you see, you know, very young children, boys and girls masturbating um, and experiencing pleasure, um, boys getting erections from very young on. I mean, any parent will tell you that. Um, <laughs> and um, I think like as a parent, you know, you kind of... When you have these things arise early, or maybe oh, earlier God. than, yeah, earlier than you're ready for, yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, is this normal? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yes. Right. There's not an age that okay at age ten. Yes. This starts happening. You know, it it is very individualized. Um. So how do you kind how do you help parents navigate? those conversations, you know, at these different ages? Well, you know, obviously it's normal for, for ch children and boys to get erections from very early on. Yeah. I, I just say to parents, just ignore them, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, because obviously, you know, 
uh, if, if it really gets out of hand where they're doing it sort of in public, you can right. say, yes, it feels good to touch yourself. You know, it's, it's for when you're alone. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you need privacy, I'm happy to give it to you. Um, so that's a discussion you can have, or, you know, you can just ignore it and they kind of get the subliminal message, um, that, you know, it, you know, it's okay to do, um, the, the, the um when you're talking about like actually education around sex and sexuality i think it starts as soon as they can reasonably understand or speak with uh the basics of naming your body parts like giving them the names of what they actually are which is so important especially with the sexual abuse yes that can happen yeah Yes. And, and, you know, the studies show that uh, children who know the correct name of their body parts are yeah. more likely to be believed by, uh, by police or caregivers. And um, furthermore, there was even a study to show that sexual predators are more likely to avoid you if you have a sense of I your I didn't body. know that. Yeah. yeah. Because they know that they'll probably get told or called out on it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even from that perspective, if, you know, your child says, you know, don't touch my penis. It's mine. You know, that burger is going to like, whoa, and <laughs> not pick you, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think from many different levels, you know, I would tell, tell parents to stand in front of the mirror and say like vulva, you know, penis, anus, you know, scrotum, mm-hmm. you know, just keep saying them and then they'll get, you'll get used to how kind of strange it might sound to you at first and you'll right. use the correct forms or terms and um, and obviously you layer in hygiene, like wiping from front to back for girls. Right. Um, uh, if you're not circumcised, you do need to explain to to your boy about foreskin, how to pull it back, to, to wash. You know, these are you know discussions you should have as soon as they are starting to bathe themselves. Um, and so then you go into biology and reproduction. And I say that starts around five, six, seven with, um, you know, books like It's Not the Stork, where you can talk about, yeah. you know, the egg, the sperm coming yeah. together, um, creating. Which them. is interesting that like you bring that up because I have a big age gap between my first child and then my second child. There's a six year age gap. So he was, um, you know, more understanding when I got pregnant with my, with his sister. And it was very quick that he came to me like, okay, but how did you get that baby in your belly? And he's five when I was pregnant. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm not ready for this conversation. You know, like, I was expecting this to happen way further down the line. Um you know, and so I'm like, okay, give me five minutes. Let me Google this. <laughs> you know, like, how do I have this conversation with a five-year-old? Um, and everything that I like found when I was Googling was to be very like factual, you know, yeah. that you would talk about an egg and a seed. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have to get to like penetration because he kind of got bored with the conversation before it went there, um, which I can like take a a sigh of relief because I wasn't ready for it to go there. But do you think that like, how would you have kind of coached somebody through having that conversation with a younger child? I love the idea of getting a book, like yeah. historic, at least to have pictures and like, yeah, you can, cause kids, you know, as you say, they'll get bored unless you really engage with them. Right. And so like visuals help. Yeah. Um, 
but I think that, you know, they have to, the talks have to be ongoing. So they're only going to take in a couple of minutes at a time. It's not like, you know, a five-year-old attention span. So sometimes you have to bring it up several times and talk about it several times. And it, it doesn't always have to be child directed, meaning like they asked, you can literally say, okay, we did a couple of minutes today about this part. And tomorrow we're going to like today we did, you know, sperm and egg and yeah. tomorrow I'm going to show you pictures of how the baby develops in the womb. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you know, I, my, my daughter frankly asked me, well, how does the sperm find the egg? And so like, I knew I had to like answer that question. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was, you know, well, um, that one way that a, a sperm can find an egg is, you know, there's, you know, the man has a penis and we're naked in our families a lot because yeah. they've been body positive. So they've seen a penis. They know what it is. I said, yeah. daddy has one, you've seen it. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the vulva and inside is the vagina and in there, it, the penis goes in there and the, the sperm comes out and that's the seeds and the seeds go find the egg. Yeah. That is called sex. And people do that to make babies, but they also do it because it feels good. You don't have to worry about that now. It's something you're going to do when you're older. Yeah, um, That's like what I said, which is pretty factual, straightforward. But then I also brought up, you know, but that's not the only way babies get made. You know, some people right. have babies right. on their own because maybe they're two women or two men, or mm -hmm. maybe they, they're having problems making babies, in which case sometimes the doctors will put the sperm and egg in a, in a tube yeah. and make it that way. So I'll just like, I'm just honest. And so those are like, you know, kind of the non-traditional families that mm -hmm. I guess you're working with and that you're bringing into your home of, you know, there's every family looks different. Yeah. Um which is a conversation that we have in our house a lot because we're a blended family. Um, you know, my son, I'm not with his father. And so, but he goes to a small private school where a lot of the families don't look like ours. Yes. Um, you know, but I think like having those conversations are so powerful that you're not alone. You know, every family looks different. Yeah. Uh, and like that some families, you know, are blended. Some families have same sex parents and like what powerful things to be teaching from a young age. Yeah. And, and it's great because you introduce the concepts and then if yeah. they see a child with two mommies, like what happened to my parent, my child is, right. you know, uh, single sex, female parents, they come home and say, Oh, mom, guess what? I, I saw, I saw someone with <laughs> like, they must have had to borrow the sperm. Like you told me so yeah. it's great that they made that connection, you know? Yeah. So. So you talk about this um, sex positive parenting. Yes. Kind of tell me what like your definition of that would be. Well, sex positive parenting is to raise a child to be confident about sex and sexuality. Right. Um, and it's, it's not just, you know, sex. It's also body positive self-esteem, like to love their body, to um, prioritize pleasure, um, to really understand consent. Um you know, to, to work on their self-esteem, things like that. It's like a whole wraparound approach to, to sex education. Um, it, in my book, The Shameless Psychiatrist, I talk also a lot about relationship skills because yeah. those are very important for a healthy sex life when you get older. Things like flirting training, like how to learn how to flirt, how yeah. to rejection practice, like how to be okay with rejection. Um um, things like how to uh, navigate conflicts in relationships, um, because I see a lot of that in my practice where teenage girls in particular may um, 
um, kind of use very poor relationship skills with their boyfriends and then <laughs> and say yeah. crazy stuff and do crazy stuff. I'm not saying it's only the girls, but just my experience. It I'm like, it was me as a teenage girl. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, oh, I thought you're talking to her. Why are you talking to her? You don't like me. Like, yeah. You know, and, it, and, and then, you know, the, the boy, you know, may react and they break up and they get back together. There's a lot of tears all the time and a lot of, you know, drama and, you know, even going so far as to say, Oh, I'm going to kill myself if you break right. up with me. And, you know, well, you can't just let that stand. I know it's it's a maturity thing. I get that. But, you know, I have seen it result in actual self-harm. Right. So it's something that better to address and, and teach them how to, like, ma- manage those relationships in a healthier way. Right. So outside of, you know, obviously kind of, I guess, giving your child a good example in your own home mm-hmm. and having these com- how like how do you have these conversations with your child as they're going through puberty and adolescence and you know okay this is how you have appropriate relationships and that are going to progress into healthy relationship yeah I, and i think that's the beauty of this if you start young enough right. after you layer in all that stuff about biology <laughs> yeah. you have that part down you know now they're 8 9 10 and you start talking about pleasure, consent, and that stuff, which is so important. Then you start talking about, you know, that age relationships and what makes healthy relationships. Um, It's a great time to model good behavior with your partner. But even when you screw up and you scream or you lose your cool, (laughs) it's a great time to say, wow, I really lost, lost it. You know, maybe we should, you know, look up some of those great anger management skills that I learned. And maybe I should have like taken a breath, you know, yeah, and distracted myself or, and then come back to it later, you know, because I did lose my cool and I'm sorry, you know, it's yeah. a good time to say things like that. Um, and I love I, that you say that. Cause I talk about that a lot on here of like, you know, these powerful teaching moments when yeah. we screw up and you can kind of own it with your kids and say, whoa, that was not okay. And now this is how we're going to handle this. Yes. And then yeah. a lot in my book and I can talk to you more about coping skills. And yeah. Um, but those are great moments. And then I talk in the book also about owning your sexual story, which means um, you have to be comfortable with your own sexuality. Um, and that means never putting your body down in front of your children. Um, always talking about, you know, if they, if you hear them making fun of other kids for being overweight or for whatever, you know, it's a great time to like reflect upon that. Um, if you see anything on their social media or if you see someone on their social media, who's putting themselves down or denigrating themselves, it's a great time to say, you know, bodies come in all shapes and sizes, always focus on health, never talk about weight, you know, all that kind of stuff you can do in that tween year to, to like sort of set up the foundation. Yeah. And then with them, when they get to be teenagers, it's full on, you know, then, you know, it's, uh, you know, take off the gloves. It's everything from, um, uh, you know, a lot really being open with your ch- children about, uh, or their, your teenager about sex, allowing them to come to you, tell them to come to you when they're ready to have sex, be open to have that discussion, be open to discuss birth control, put a huge box of condoms in their room and say, <laughs> never notice when they are gone. Yeah. So, giving them a safe space to have sex when they're ready, uh, whether that be your basement, setting rules around sex, like, yeah. you know, okay, you can have sex, you know, 
you can see your partner on the weekends, not during school nights, you know, um, you know, when you have homework to do, it doesn't mean you, you don't come down for dinner or set the table or be a part of the family life and really like embrace, um, embrace their burgeoning sexuality and be a part of it in a, in a positive way. I love that. Like this is everything I think that I strive to be and want to be. My children are still really young. Mm -hmm. And then I think, you know, we all kind of go into this with good intentions. And then what happens when, okay, my child's 16, he's coming to me saying, mom, it's time. I love her. This is like, you know, who I'm willing to give myself to. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready. (laughs) You know what I mean? How do we kind of navigate our own feelings around this? Because I think, you know, as moms, it it is hard where you, you aren't ready to let go sometimes. Um, You know, you can have these conversations and all this prep work, all this groundwork. And now here I am giving you, you know, out to the world. And how do I kind of follow through on that? Well, that's owning your own sexual story. I feel yeah. like that's like, you know, owning your, you know, do you remember what it was like when you were yeah. in 17 or 15, 16, 17, and you decided to have sex for the first time and how exciting and amazing that was. Yeah. And um, this is your child's about to go through that same experience. And isn't it awesome that you get to be a part of that in some way? I always say like, you know, have the the girl if it's a boy have the you know partner over if it's a girl just say come over for dinner you know i want to yeah, yeah. you know i know you two you know are going to be having sex and you know what's your what's your you know just say it to her what's your program for birth control have you told your parents um if she says no i haven't told my parents you know you don't necessarily go and tell the other person's parents i don't think that's <laughs> right, but you can say encourage her and be like i really think you should i really think you should tell your parents and go see you know your your doctor about birth control options yeah so i think i think that's the right thing to do and you know maybe her parents aren't open-minded or you know but at least you said it and you know setting a safe place for them to be um, is really important. You don't want to have them have to have to do it behind the bleachers or right. in a parked car where they get arrested. Um, I really think that that's incredibly important. Um, I, I, uh, I think managing your own feelings about it are so important, but your child, it does mean your child is growing up. And I talk about a little bit about the role of rituals and ceremonies Yeah. in Tamara, which is like a, um, which is a kind of very progressive, um, commune like pl- place in Portugal, they do, they have an actual ritual around losing your virginity where yeah. we all get together uh, and the members of the community and the child said, okay, I want to have sex with X person in the community. And the teenagers all get together and sort of send them off to have sex and come back. And then they're celebrated within the community. Um, obviously I think that's a bit out there, but it's pretty awesome too. I know. I find that like really fascinating. Because I think like here in America, and maybe this is just like my own bias, you know, I think that we are a very, you know, sex driven culture where in the media, it's very sexualized, um, you know, and like that, that's kind of the culture, it's the norm, and that's okay. But then there's also kind of the slut shaming culture that happens. And you know, you have like the Me Too movement, or you have young girls that um, you know, like teenage pregnancies or young people with pregnancies that are kind of shamed for these natural consequences of having sex when we have this 
culture of, you know, this very sexualized stuff going on, but then we're not accepting of some of the consequences that go along with it. I agree. So I just, I find it very interesting. I agree. And, and, um, we, we, we may know that our children are having sex, but we don't ever ask, which to me is kind of so, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. and I think, um, I think also another huge issue for me is we never talk about pleasure with kids yeah. ever. I mean, we talk about if it hurts or if he hurts you, I'm going to kill him. Right. But we never say, okay, it's not just about did he hurt you? It's about did it actually feel good? Yeah. Like, was it something you liked doing? Because I think this whole idea that, you know, it's it's just about, you know, no means no. It's it's like more yes Yes, it means yes. Yes is what you want. You want a, a yes. You want it to feel good. You want it to have a positive experience, and um, not to do it just to gain attention, which I see all the time in my practice. Teenage yeah. girls having sex with it being painful, or um, not having any type of orgasm, or not even knowing what they're doing because yeah. they've never had any experience masturbating, and and just doing it because they feel they have to, not because they want to. And so, how do you work with? those clients? Well, I talk a lot, you know, for them, it's like, I talk a lot about masturbation and how they have to learn how to like pleasure themselves. Cause there's no yeah. way it's going to do it for you if you can't do it for yourself. So yeah. kind of give them masturbation homework. <laughs> I'm crazy, but I think you can do the crime. You can do the time, you know, yeah. I'm already having sex. So I'm like, you got to figure out how your own body works. And then you need to teach that to whoever you're with. And, um, and I also talk a lot about, you know, there are other ways to get attention. If it's not feeling good, then like, it's just, you know, it's a red flag. It's not the right person for you. You know, you got to listen to what's, you know, you listen to your gut intuition, which is that, you know, if it's not feeling good, there's something up, you know, and giving them the permission to, you know, to break up or to, you know, wait a little longer. Maybe they're too young. A lot of times when it's not feeling good, they're, they're too young, they're 14, 15, and they're just not psychologically or physically ready. Um, but they think they have to because they want to have a boyfriend and they want attention. Yeah. So. I know. I think as I am a therapist and uh, I work a lot with kids that are in the foster care system. Yeah. And so I see that a lot. Um, and I also feel like kind of the foster care system, maybe lack of a better word, fails kids and that they almost they, they really do not get the sex education. You know, they're taken away from their biological families. So now you are with foster families who are not teaching them. Um, And then you're moved around from different schools oftentimes. So you kind of get lost in the shuffle there. Yeah, you Um, make sex ed curriculum because you know, (laughs) from one school to another. Yeah, and they need more than anybody. I know, I know. And then, you know, they also have these holes that they're trying to fill because, you know, they've got trauma backgrounds and whatever is going on. And so they're looking to these relationships that are just not healthy at all. Um, And I feel like my work mostly with kids like that is not really around like sexuality, but these relationship pieces. And I think kind of listening to you, they need to be blended though. Yeah, I think that the sex education curriculum and the self-esteem and, you know, relationship skills curriculum should be blended together. Yeah. One 
you know, bucket and uh, taught in school is like uh, the basics of cognitive behavioral therapy, the basics of dialectical behavioral therapy, yeah. you know, wonderful coping skills attached. Uh, you know, it should all be one, one kind of mush curriculum and it should be ongoing from, you know, kindergarten, not like the Dutch do. Yeah. So Dr. Lee's kind of tell me a little bit uh, more about your book. Well, um, uh, it's called The Shameless Psychiatrist's yeah. Guide to Parenting. And it's about sex positive parenting, all the ways that I talked about. Um, one piece that I think is novel in the book, certainly I've, I haven't seen anything like it in anywhere, but one piece yeah. very novel is about um, owning your own sexual story. So I do a little diagram in which I have parents think through how their own sexual history is influencing how they're talking to their children about sex and um, developing a paradigm to develop better messages. Because um, as psychologists, we talk a lot about something called cognitive reframing, which means thinking about our thoughts in a new and better way. And so what is it? What are the messages we actually want to pass down to our children to pass down intergenerational wisdom, not trauma? And we look at how we were abused or hurt, and we will say, well, we don't want to pass down the messages of hurt or pain. We want to pass down the wisdom we got from them. So that's how you can reframe things. So let's say you were raped or assaulted. Yeah. Telling your child about a rape or assault, that's a big thing and, and really shouldn't be shared unless you have a very good reason to share it. Um, But you could pass down the message of, Hey, you know, don't leave your friends. if you're at a bar, you know, because, you know, you don't to go home with someone you don't know if they really like you, they'll call you and you can meet another time or like um, things like that. Or, you know, make sure that you're very upfront with whoever you're going home with as to what you want to do ahead of time before you leave the place you're going um, uh, things like that. Some messages you could give around protection of yourself. Um, rather, you know, just things I wish I had known as a, as a, as a teenager, I'm going to tell you what I wish I had known, what I learned, you know, um, Everything. <laughs> exactly. You know, pass down that, that wisdom. Yeah. You know, if you're on your third marriage, you know, there you, you might say like, you know, I hope that you don't end up getting married three times like I did, that was a very painful process. And what I've known is, you know, to wait a little longer into my twenties before jumping into anything where I know, where I knew myself better and like to have better communication skills. I wish I had gotten therapy earlier to learn how to communicate better. These were like the pearls of maybe what you learn from your marriages or failed relationships. I know. I think like for me, I'm like just so, kind of caught up in myself like okay we have to kind of change the way that these generational things kind of play out mm-hmm. um you know i came from a background where we did not talk about sex at all That's and true. and then as a result you know i i got pregnant at a very at a young age and so i never wanted to be this conversation of I regret having you at a young age because I don't, um, but that I don't want that to be your life story. You know, it does come with these whole other challenges. It was really hard. Um, you know, I got through it. I still went on and got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and, you know, I made the best of it, but 
a lot of it doesn't happen like that for everybody. Um, and kind of having like those conversations, I think of more protection, these healthy relationships, you know, how you wait <laughs> and not try and fill voids, um, I think are just so important. Well, you're, you're, the way you just said it is, is wonderful, you yeah. know, and I, and I loved the way you said it. And that's a great conversation to have with your, I think, son. Son, yeah. When, when you, when you, when he is going through those, you know, challenges in, you know, after puberty, yeah. and I think um, that's what I mean. You know, how are yeah. you going to spin it? And you spin it beautifully, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I know. It is hard though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think as parents, we're always like doubting ourselves. <laughs> we're yeah. like, am I doing this right? Am I doing enough? <laughs> You know? Well, that's what I love about the book too, because I, lo- I think a lot of the book is common sense, but it will give yeah. that parents the sigh like, oh, good, I've been doing that. Like, yeah. You know, that's good. Oh, but I need to add maybe this or tweak it this way. But um, it's so much of it is common sense. Like, what is it that you are already doing? Um, and what is it that you need to probably build upon? So. Yeah. Perfect. So Dr. Lee, where can my uh, listeners and followers find you? Um, well, uh, shameless psychiatrist, uh, is my Instagram tag and my, um, blog, um, on, online. And you can sign up for my newsletter, which is, gives great tips every month, uh, yeah. to be a sex positive parent. And your book can be found where? Well, it's not launching for a while. So, um, okay. So you're still working on it. Yeah. yeah. It's just going into, to, to be published in, in October of 2020. I'm so excited for it. Thank like you'll you. have to reach back out to me and we'll plug it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dr. Lee, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Um, and Pleasure. cheers to positive sex parenting. Yes. <laughs> cheers to that. Cheers to sex positive parents everywhere. <laughs> Did you enjoy this episode? Please leave a five-star rating and review and please share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mimosas with Moms, and you can email me at the number 2mimosamoms at gmail.com.